Hey, before we get started, I wanted to remind you we're uh, ending our quarterly theme of taxes uh, soon, and you just have a few remaining weeks to download the 10 important things to know about taxes on our website. You can get this white paper by going to wiserinvestor.com, enter your email at the very bottom of the page, and you'll get immediate access to 10 important things to know about taxes. Basically, this uh, white paper is a summary of um, everything we've covered this quarter on these various topics uh, with myself and Jordan and our uh, our guest throughout the quarter. We're looking forward to launching a new series starting at the uh, beginning of 2022. And uh, thanks for listening. Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom today are my two guests, Tom Townsend. Hi, Tom. Hey, Casey. Thanks for having me. And Jordan Sudi. Hi, Casey. Who's a regular now. Yep. You're not even a guest anymore. Not a guest. I think that's your microphone, actually. (laughs) I think every week, yeah. (laughs) For 12 weeks now, yep. Oh, no, I'm jealous. Uh, Well, Tom, you can come here as much as you want. (laughs) When we're gonna have, when we're gonna hear the Tom Townsend podcast? You know, uh, that is on our 2022 list. Okay, of getting so, that. Tom has been down. on. This is your third appearance, I think. You're the only person ever to be here more than twice. Oh, okay, awesome. So, um, Hadley will that. give you a badge on the way out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll star put you a star on the star chart. Uh, so, Tom, uh, tell us about your firm. We have a uh, real estate uh, firm, uh, part of the Keller Williams organization. Uh, we're out of Cherokee County. However, we work in primarily everywhere north of the Atlanta area. So residential is our primary focus. Uh, we do a little bit of commercial, but primarily re- residential. So anybody looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, we are there ready to go. We have a team of, there's five of us total, and we are growing you are growing. I've seen yes. that on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, a lot of new team members. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking, we're capturing this market. There's a lot of needs out there that we are fulfilling. So Tom um, did uh, uh, appraisals. You did appraisals for many, many years. Still that, am an appraiser. Uh, you still doing active appraising? I'm or? not. We just use, I just use those skills and leverage those to yeah. for our, our, our buying and selling clients. So you started, um, you were at Wiser Wealth Management before I was. Yes. So a lot of people don't 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 know that, but uh, so I had my own firm starting in 2001 through 2007. I leased a spare office from a company called Wiser Financial Services, which is no longer in existence because I bought it in 2007. Nice. And so Tom uh, and his family were already here, and uh, he was mainly doing appraisals. And um, the financial crisis hit. Mm-hmm. You went through some personal challenges during that time period, but man, you came out on the other side through yeah, perseverance I, I, and hard work. I could tell you some stories, my friend. <laughs> Holy smokes. You bet. Those were those were those tough, were, tough years. Yeah. 08 through about 2013, 14. That, that was tough. I mean, I went through it and you were right there with me, uh, helping me along that whole way. But that was some challenging, challenging years. Well, you are a testament to if you keep working hard, at no point that I feel like you were ever the victim. 
you are always continuing to say, I'm going to fight through this. Now we all have our weak moments, right? (laughs) And I'm sure I only saw the best of you, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I, I that's what I love about you is, is, is you get the job done. And, and this is not the Tom Townsend show uh, that I didn't mean to do all this, Tom, but, but uh, I just want to say I'm proud of you because I see what you're doing uh, out there on social media. Um, I see your numbers as your financial advisor, and you're doing great. Um, we refer people to you yep. uh, for buys and sells, uh, especially uh, north of north of the office for sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if there's anybody out there, it's hard to imagine people out there struggling right now in this environment. Yeah. But I know there are people there are because not every industry is prosperous right now. But you just keep pushing through. Uh, you keep pushing through. You don't make excuses. You work harder than the problems working you, and you can come out the other side and in, in, in great form. So, uh, with that being said, let's transition to the topic of today: ten thirty one exchanges. So, ten thirty one exchanges. I want to start with a problem um, and how a ten thirty one can help solve this problem. So, let's let's assume that I have a uh, $500,000, that's today's value, uh, rental home that I only paid uh, $200,000 for. That sounds like a crazy example, but it's that's reality right mm-hmm. now. Man, yeah. real estate's hot. Yes, right? absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've seen valuations for beach condos bought in the late 90s for $250,000 going for $1.6 And that's a long stretch. Right. But you're telling me you've seen properties jump up in value just in what a year oh uh, yeah yeah i like, mean this what, last 15 percent yeah 15 uh a lot of areas we have little pockets here and there within the north uh part of atlanta even up to 20 percent, depending on your price point or where you're at but yeah 20 percent in a year that's crazy that's crazy is i right. mean that's that's basically home values keeping up with the s p 500 over the last 12 months s p is up a little north of 22 percent that's not normal. Can I put a little asterisk next to that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Because I lived through the crash. <laughs> right. You got to remember, I, on average, if you look at home appreciations over the last 40, 50 years, the average is four, about 4% a year. Yeah. When 08 hit, we took a major dip and it has taken this much time to climb back out of that hole. So if you really look at this on a graph, we are yeah. right where we where we should have been or should uh, be without that big dip mm. in 08 through 12. That's why we brought you here, Tom. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so although it seems crazy and everybody's like, this isn't sustainable or anything, I'm like, we are right where we should be on that trend line. If you look at that trend line over 30, 40 years, we're right where, we're, where we should be. Actually, we're a little bit higher. Um, so what you're saying but, is if I'm looking at the chart, if I was a technician that basically we're where we're near where we're supposed to be and that home values probably won't drop much more. They're going, but they could, could plateau. It will seem like they plateaued. Maybe pull back. We're yeah. going to see a little pullback because we're a little bit higher than that trend line right now. So you'll probably see a little pullback, but no like great deals unless we have a major recession, obviously which Correct. there's no yeah. one's predicting that at this point. No. Um, interesting. So, <laughs> I have two hundred fifty thousand dollars in. <laughs> what? Well, we're just kind of got a little rabbit hole there, but I, you know, uh, well, I just no, that's that a important. great rabbit hole. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I love data. I'm a yeah. data guy. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I got Brad here in my office every Monday morning, but it's all this data uh, right in front of us, and I, I'm I'm looking through every little nook and cranny uh, to understand what's happening in the world, and and the rest, you know, the rest of our crew here is like has sleep at the wheel. Like, <laughs> Come on, guys, this is good stuff. Um. 
okay, so so we paid two fifty. Uh, it's worth five hundred. It's a great little house, but but I'm ready to move to something a little more, maybe a little more stable, meaning bigger and maybe different type of revenue. So I, I like to move to a commercial property, maybe a small small little strip mall or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's got a it's got a mechanic in it. It's recession proof, right? Right. <laughs> it's a mechanic and a and a pawn shop. Uh, so I can I can handle recessions really well if one ever to pop up because those places do well in recessions. Yeah, yeah. So so I, I've got this going, but man, Jordan, I'm going to sell this thing and I'm going to have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar. Or how much did I pay for it? I forgot. <laughs> two hundred. I paid two fifty. It's worth five hundred. I have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar gain. I, I got to pay capital gains on that. Yep. And at my level, that's going to be twenty percent. Right. And I'm glad you're coming to us before you've sold this property. <laughs> Ooh, um, I like what you did there. Because the, you have to think about it. Even before you go under contract, really, you should be thinking, is this an option for me moving forward to help defer the gain? You're not going to escape the tax. Well, we can talk about maybe one way that you can escape the tax. <laughs> but the goal here is to defer the tax. Okay. So you're not you're not escaping. You're just deferring. But yeah, so if you come to us, your CPA, and you're like, hey, I'm going to sell this property. I'm going to have all this gain. We're going to tell you, you should think about a 1031 exchange. So especially if you're trying to stay in the business of investing and rental and whatever you're working on, it's a great option to take what you have and turn it into something bigger. You don't have to turn it into something bigger, but you're going to pay tax on whatever the difference is there. But the biggest bang for your buck is to take this cash and roll it into an even bigger property to help defer that gain and grow your wealth for sure. So if I want to sell my property and I change my mind and I'm just going to put it all in the S&P 500 because that's been doing pretty good too. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help me with that. No, not with the tax deferral. Yeah. So it has to be it has to be property. Right. Yes. It has to be like kind property. Yes. So, um, and when we say like kind, we're talking about the nature of your investment. So you can't take your primary residence and sell it. And if you have over the, you know, the $500,000 personal home exclusion, you can't take that and roll it into a a strip mall and exclude that gain from tax. It has to be an investment to an investment. And it can't be, you know, if you have inventory, you can't roll inventory into an investment. Um, It has to be purely investment to investment. Okay. All right. So I'll go back to my strip mall and I got my mechanic, my my pawn shop. and I'm, I'm real excited about this. So what are the steps? How do I, what's my first step in a 1031 exchange? Uh, you already told me, don't call you after the fact. Yeah, before. Right? So you're going to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. So maybe your CPA, maybe your financial advisor, your realtor as well. Um, and they're going to tell you that you're going to have to, there's a very formal process to go through here because if you receive any of the cash, it automatically that becomes part of your taxable gain. So while under contract, you're going to talk to a qualified intermediary who's going to set it up where instead of at the closing table, you get the cash, they're going to get the cash instead. And then from that day that you close, you have 45 days to identify properties that you will roll this gain into. And when they say identify properties, it can be as easy as just identifying addresses of, you know, three properties um, is the typical number that you could roll some or all of the proceeds into. So who's this intermediary? Is it you? It can't be your personal CPA. So your qualified intermediary has to, it can't be your employee, it can't be a family member, and it can't be what they call an agent. And so that would be your attorney, your CPA, your financial advisor. It has to be somebody who is removed from the situation and will truly hold the cash for you in an ethical way. 
So there's companies that do this. Yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. So if, when people come to us and they say, I, I'm thinking about 1031, we have contacts that we can forward them to um, who specialize in this, who know the very fine nuanced rules um, and can help make sure that this passes the IRS's test. So if you just sold your property and you decide this is what you want to do, it's probably too late to set up any of that. It There's is, no way yeah. you could do that. Right. It's too late. Yeah. So really you need to identify this yeah. and who the enemy area is before. Correct. Because you've now received those funds. Oh, right. At, at closing. closing. Yeah. yeah. All True. right. They cannot touch your personal account. So I wonder how many days before closing you could get something set up. I'm a last minute kind of guy. <laughs> I'm sure there are people that will work, that would work with you Pretty probably quickly. for a fee, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm Ideally, sure. you want to know that you're doing this, find an intermediary and say, I'm about to make this transaction. Yeah. What are your processes? Right. If you have an investment property, I would just keep this in the back of your mind. Even if you're not thinking to sell, just know that it's there mm-hmm. and explore it before you're even thinking about selling the property. Okay. And then to further the finalization of the 1031, you have 45 days to identify the property and you have 180 days after closing to purchase that property. So you have a good bit of time to really finalize the process and those clocks start at the same time correct yes, correct yes. at the uh, and that clock starts at closing at closing of your existing property correct okay. yes mm-hmm. yeah so it's not 45 plus 180 it's no. really 180 I mean, you gotta be at closing or you have to identify a property within 45 days of yes. the 180 days and in today's world i mean that could be kind of difficult because you identify a property it's not going to be there in six months i mean i, I yeah yeah but the way things are moving right now what, what what i'm reading about the process now is people will pick like three properties mm-hmm. they'll mm-hmm. so they'll come to the intermediary with three properties and then hopefully one of those works out right or two yeah you can invest in multiple properties okay with your with your gains okay so if i get a really good deal on that pawn shop and mechanic strip mall then maybe i could yeah or take the take the gains the off of your one investment property that you sold and yeah. go buy two right so now i got two revenue streams probably less likely in today's values well you know <laughs> depends on how much you unless you're moving down market you can do that I mean, <laughs> yeah. the point is that you can do that. yeah okay and All i right. think you can even buy into multiple like a apartment complex is that true so if i sold a single family residence Rental property. Rental mm-hmm. property. Mm-hmm. And then I turn around and I can invest in like a, you know, an apartment complex. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the same asset class. Right. Yes. And that's what the light kind is all about. Right. And okay. it's, yeah, just getting down to the nature of what you're doing. You're investing in this for a revenue stream, you know, a passive revenue stream. Mm-hmm. And so it's similar enough that they both qualify for like kind. Yes. Okay. There really is no definition. That's like the hard thing here. Like kind of, it's kind of vague. It's very nuanced, but at the same time, very vague. So that's why getting together with a 1031 expert is crucial to make sure that you're keeping up with all the rules. Yeah. You know, something else, I just thought about this. Most people are depreciating their, their property. So when you sell a property, not only do you have the gains, but you have to recapture all the depreciation. All that depreciation is going to roll into the new property as well that I believe that's part of the gains. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, okay. So that, so, so it's that, not just that's a huge advantage. Yeah. It's just not, it's yeah. not the simple math of I, you know, I bought yeah. it for this, I sold it for this and then take the difference. Right. I mean, you've so got it, recapture. Right. And then you've got some expenses that you can deduct out of that. I'm assuming. Yes. So okay. there are, um, and there are closing costs that can get, that can be taken out of the proceeds as well. So, I mean, if you, 
in our example, we had $250,000 of gain and you roll it into another property, you know, say that the way it's all set up, you may not be, you may be getting some cash back. You can eat into some of that cash with closing costs. Not every cost at the closing table is eligible to roll into it, but some of them are. So I'm looking at some special rules around this mm-hmm. and this, I just want to point this out that the appreciation recapture. So that's, which is taxes, ordinary income. We all know, we all know this. If you have an improved property, I mean, you have land with something on it, a building that you've depreciated, but then you 1031 exchange that to raw land with no building, then the IRS does not allow you to take that depreciation and roll it into the new property. That depreciation, you would pay income tax on that. So you want to make sure that you're moving from improved property to improved property. That doesn't mean remodeled. That just means improved means it's like monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> you put a house on park place, <laughs> right? So you can't, if you're depreciating that house on park place and you go back and buy boardwalk, right? You, with no improvements with, on with it. With no improvements on it. You can't swap that out and then roll that into the property. So right. I, I, I do want to make that sure we're all on the same page there. And that could be really hard. I mean, if you're not getting any cash out and then you have this bill, <laughs> right. that would yes. not be. Yeah. That wouldn't be a good situation. Worst case scenario. Jordan, no. do you think that's because it's a different asset class? Do you think raw land is a different asset class than? Absolutely. Yes. And so they don't want you taking, yeah, the depreciation okay. from the real property for sure. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, what are things we can't do this with? Because, you know, before December of 2017, when we had the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, which I'm sure everyone here calls this TCGA. I'm saying that was lots of sarcasm. Um, <laughs> you could actually do this with airplanes, uh, franchises, and uh, other equipment, but you can't do that anymore. You can do some personal property. Okay. But, um, yes, you cannot do stock and trade. So that's like inventory, partnership, shares, notes, stock, bonds, things of that nature are not eligible for 1031. And I do think we should talk about the dealer aspect of it because you see a lot of people now, you know, they're getting into the business of flipping homes. Mm -hmm. You know, they buy it, they flip it, they sell it. In that case, those are not going to qualify for 1031 because the IRS is going to say, no, you're not in the, you're not investing. You're, you're in the business of flipping homes, that should be a business in itself. And so that, that does not qualify. So if you are flipping, I would maybe add in a rental aspect to it, at least for a period of time to qualify for the like kind, because otherwise there is a chance that the IRS could come in and say no good and it all becomes taxable. So it was probably the initial intent of purchasing mm-hmm. the yes, property. Absolutely. They'll probably yeah. look at that. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And my intent was to hold it as an investment property. Oh, it just so happens that I got a great deal and right. I decided to flip it because circumstances changed. But my initial intent yes, was yeah. to hold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I do that often enough, they're going to come back and say, okay, right. stop playing games. Exactly. We're yeah. not going to do this. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what I didn't tell you is I have a $150,000 mortgage on my property that I was selling. And so I've got a, you know, I'm moving into a new property. What are the rules on the mortgage? And maybe we need to make this simpler for an explanation. But if I'm taking a mortgage, let's say, uh, let's use round numbers. So we have a million dollars mortgage on the old property. A new property, after all settles, has a $900,000 mortgage. That $100,000, I actually gained $100,000 because there's less of a mortgage, right? So that gets taxed as, as income. 
If, yes, any of the cash that's or coming. Or capital gains. Right. Any of the cash that's coming out to you because you assumed lesser of a mortgage, that is going to be subject to the capital gains tax. But you could take lesser of a mortgage, but you're buying a property of higher or same value, and you'd, you should be okay, I would think. If you're putting a larger it, it, down payment. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. If you're adding money to right. that. Right. Yeah. So you can't use a mortgage to like disguise right. profits, really. Correct. Yes. Any, yeah, I, ca- any cash that comes out. I would I would have to check, and Jordan, you may know this, but I think the trade has to be of equal or greater value to completely defer the tax. Yes, okay. it can be less. You just you're going to run the risk of paying tax, and the whole you know the whole thing about the 1031 is deferring as much tax as possible. Okay. So you can, you know, if you have um in our example a five hundred thousand dollar house, two hundred fifty thousand dollar gain. Say you want a four hundred thousand dollar house, and you're going to put a hundred thousand dollars down. You're getting cash at the end of the day, and so that portion is going to be subject to capital gains tax. Okay. We're getting to the advanced portion of this conversation, (laughs) just as a uh, warning. Um, Let's talk a little bit about second homes. So I have a home. I've always wanted to have a home down in Hilton Head. thought that'd be a great place to have a home. A lot of people from Ohio there, though. They're nice people, but they don't talk like us. So if I want to go down to Hilton Head, and let's say I already own a home there. It's uh, $8 million. It's on the beach. It's in Sea Pines. Nice. Yeah. It's great. (laughs) It's a virtual one, but uh, it's a great one. Um, and I've decided, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I want to move over to, uh, uh, was it 30A? Is that where all the cool people go? Yeah. It's yeah. a nice beach. Let's get on the 30A, which is a, like, that's not an actual place. That's a road. The highway. Yeah. <laughs> it's a highway, but there's other communities seaside. along the Seaside. You want to move to Seaside. I want to move to yeah. Seaside. Thank you. I should visit there sometime. Uh, I want to go down to Seaside and buy an $8 million house there. But I only paid two million for this one in Hilton Head. But remember, I'm not renting this out. This is this is a second a second home. I'll have to take a capital gain on on that to move it, right? Yes. So here's here's a ten thirty one strategy. So you could put it into a rental the second home into a rental program for what, six months? Some some time period. Yeah. Not like a week. I rented out for right. a week. But you could put claim it as a as a, a vac a rental property now, right? Right. Right. You rent you literally rent it out like it's this is not a fake thing. It's your it's not a rental property. You're not going there. It's a it's a maybe not long term. It could be vacation rental. Might be better to get more cash flow that way. Then I could do a ten thirty one exchange, take my gains, mm-hmm. and I could buy a property over on thirty A Seaside. Mm-hmm. I've been told. Yes. Now I have to keep renting it out. If I ever Correct. stop yes. <laughs> renting it out, right. yes. then I got a problem. But you can still you can still go to your rental property and vacation there yourself. I mean, there's that's allowed. So that's a great way to it is to avoid some tax, right? And then you have the option too. I mean, if you roll the funds from there into, I know that was a big difference in value. I think you said two million to eight million or yeah. something like that. But if it was, say, it was a two million to two million or two million to three million dollar home just on a different beach. No, no, I paid two million. And it's worth eight. Oh, so okay. It's a six million dollar gain. Oh, I Nobody see. Wants to pay capital so you're moving from an, an eight to an eight. Yeah, eight to okay. an eight. So mm-hmm. you roll that cash into the second vacation home and you let it sit for a few years maybe then you do a cash out refi and then you get your cash out you know so that's an option um you just have to make sure that all of the your intent was correct from the first place and you give it some time before you try to do something like that okay and you could even do that in your primary home 
I mean, we said, you know, you can't use a primary home, but if you moved out of your primary home and you rented it out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or no, let's go back a second. What if I moved to Seaside? I, I rented it out for a while. I moved to Seaside and made it my permanent residence. But then, then I would get five hundred thousand dollars. Correct. I could take five, you know, uh, exemption of five hundred thousand dollars from gains. Right, and there is a, a specific rule about that one. So, you if you moved into the home that was previously rental in Seaside, you have to live in. You have to be there for five years from the time you purchased it mm-hmm. to then qualify. It's a little different from the normal rules for the uh, home, primary home exclusion, but you have five years from the day of purchase for it then to back off from the 1031 rules and then it becomes the gain is excluded. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I yeah. told you it was the advanced portion of the presentation. That is advanced. <laughs> and this is the reason why you call before. <laughs> yes. <you sell. laughs> exactly. This is why you sit down and you strategize. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have a client now who's moved to Charleston under the same, under the same pretense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, the whole concept of man, that's appreciated a lot. I love Charleston. So we're moving to Charleston and we, you can listen to our podcast on moving to a new state yeah. <laughs> and what you need to do before you get there, because that's very important that your bank statements and your car and your driver's license, everything gets changed to that new location. Yeah. Cause you need to actually have moved there. This is, we're not, this is not a show about how to, how to <laughs> cheat the government. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be very clear. We're trying we're, to do right. We're, here. we're all inside. Right. The, there's no gray area here. We're all inside the, it's all black and white. It's all black and white. All right, so so yeah, but you could the, the last half of that is the same thing with your primary residence. Um, now you would get excluded, but anyway, from your primary residence up to five hundred thousand dollars in gains. Right. But if you were had greater gains than that, you could always turn it into a rental, move out, and then you could do a ten thirty one exchange uh, for a new property. Now you're you're now in investment property land. It's hard it's hard to leave that. Right. Which I guess we can talk about that for a second. I mean, you keep deferring the tax, deferring the tax, deferring the tax. And at some point, that tax has to get paid, right? Right. Correct. Unless. Unless. <laughs> you're dead. You're right. dead. Yeah. That's one way to get out of it because tax doesn't carry on to the next generation. So, um, and plus you get a step up in basis upon death right now. Yes. So if you die, you paid $2 million for the property, you did all these 1031 exchanges, you have $6 million in gain floating out there that you got to pay tax on. But when you, the new... Um, beneficiaries or when the beneficiaries take over your property, assuming kids, right. Then their cost basis gets jumped up to 8 million. Right. So it's like they paid eight for the house. Right. So if they liquidated it, they wouldn't pay any tax. Correct. Now, obviously if your net worth gets high enough, there is some death tax, but it's like 20, nearly 22 million right now. So we don't have to worry about that too much. Right. So, but yeah. that is, that's a great strategy. If you're you if never want to leave that legacy for yeah. your, your beneficiaries, yeah. do it through that, through that process opposed to leaving them a bank account or something like that. Right. 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 Well, just bank accounts don't grow, but okay. um, well, real estates do yeah. real estate accounts do or should <laughs> if you're doing it right. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, what else are we missing? Call your CPA first. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. If you take anything away, call, call your financial advisor, CPA, yeah. your realtor first. Yeah. The only thing that I would add to that is um, prior to the show, we were, we were kind of talking real quick. Right now in our environment and as fast as we're seeing appreciations uh, escalate is a great time to really consider your 1031 exchanges. 
So I was using an example that most investors would hold on to a property five or six years before they built up enough equity to be able to do the 1031 exchange and trade up. Now we're seeing one year, right? We, we saw appreciation of 15 to 17%. Now we're seeing an escalation of, hey, it's time. It's time. You know, one, you hold on to a property one year. Let's, let's take out the, the equity and let's keep on trading up. So that's a, you know, that's, that's an interesting caveat that we have going on in this market right now. And I would think Jordan, that you would see an, an escalation of 1031 exchanges coming across your desk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's a different strategy now. I mean, we, we were talking about this before. Um, in the past, I've, I felt like to make, to be successful at real estate, uh, investment properties, you'd buy a bunch of $80,000 properties and you're getting 800 to 1200 bucks a month mm-hmm. cash flow. So you think about uh, yield, I put in eight, I put in 80,000 and I'm getting, you know, $20,000 a year. That's mm-hmm. a pretty good deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's 15,000. Yeah. still, even if it was 10,000, that's really a really good deal. It's going to pay for itself very, very quickly, but you can't find an $80,000 house. You can't hardly find an $80,000 lot. Yeah. So, at this point, it seems like the game's changed a little bit where it's appreciation or you're buying just extremely distressed properties that need a lot of love and then you're getting them to the market rate, which is a lot higher. So it's 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 capital appreciation is seems to be the name of the game, not so much about the yield and the passing. And the income. cash flow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we were cu- talking a little bit about that earlier as well. And that game has changed lately. And uh, yeah, historically, we always looked at cash flow. You know, yeah. you're going to buy a property. How much is this going to yield me every single month? What's my cash, my positive cash flow? They call flow? it passive income, right? That's yes. what all the seminars are about. Yeah. You write passive income. <laughs> passive income, yes. <laughs> you're still generating the same passive income, but rental rates can only go up so high because people rent for a reason. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you would just buy a home. Yeah. So there's... There, you can't, if, 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 if I'm renting a house and it's a single family home is what, 2,500 a month? I think it's kind of the average. Yeah. I, you know, it, you know that would be a there. nice one. Yeah. But if, but what happens, you know, with, with inflation, is that ever a $5,000 a month rental? I don't think so. Uh, well, rentals are, rental rates are going up faster than appreciation right now. Okay. So they are, they are going up. But there's a period where people who are renting can't afford that rent. No, you're talking about diminishing returns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, there's no, you less do. people. There's I mean, less there's, people. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a cap on everything. That's true with appreciation as well. I mean, you're going to get people to are a willing point to pay for where, something. Yeah, you get that gap in between what incomes are going up and what yeah payments and, are. Well, and you incomes are rising. That's what's creating. Well, partially, what's creating the inflation that we have over the last years. Yeah, people are getting paid more. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So incomes are going up, rates are going to go, you know, uh, uh, values are going up, rental rates are going up. So, but to get back to well, the what do you do point, on your properties? Do you have, do you have a uh, standard increase each year? I do. I build so, in, in our leases, uh, we have an escalation clause. So every year goes yeah, up by X amount. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now it's way below, <laughs> you know, this is the challenge of managing your own properties. It's well below what the market, market rate increases. is. Oh Yeah. I mean, my renters right now that have been in, I've got one renter that's been in two years. I mean, he's paying way below market rent, which is fine. He's a great renter. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, the holes in the walls. That's worth something. Absolutely. But he's paying well below market value. The only way to really reset that is wait till they move out or you you force them out by saying, hey. Don't renew the lease Yeah, and go back to them and say, listen, we're going to have to sign a new lease at the end of your term. Okay. And we're going to have to renegotiate rates. So maybe... 
maybe there is more upside to the to the passive income than I'm seeing. There is. The challenge is it's so competitive out there and we've seen um, values appreciate so quickly that finding those properties that have that yield that we typically would want to see his yeah. in historical markets is very difficult to find. Okay. Very difficult. Because, because the values have gone up so fast, the, the rents can't keep. Yes. There's and no way the rents can there's keep. There's not up. a lot of inventory, so it's yeah. competitive. The investor the investors out there are all competing against each other. Well, you're competing against national companies. Now, now you've got these huge institutions that are buying. Yeah, they own thousands and thousands of homes. Because they Just see where rents are going. They see it. Yeah. So yeah. they probably but, did 20 years ago when yeah. this all started, honestly. Yeah, they did. So they see that. So that you're competing with them. So what most investors are looking at right now is what kind of an appreciation am I am I going to be seeing over the next couple of years? And the cash flows will they'll catch up. It may take two or three years for a property to really cash flow, be a cash flow positive, Yeah, but they're willing to, you know, feed that thing for the first one or two years. Institutions probably do that better than individuals. Well, they got a lot more cash. Well, not only that, <laughs> but they're willing to, they, it's just a spreadsheet. I think a lot of individual, it's got like individual stocks. We're talking about this in our last uh, uh, podcast that, that, uh, you know, people get emotionally attached. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for them to, to take that tax loss harvesting because the, the sell a loser is very personal <laughs> where increasing that rent rate is very, per Oh, but I like them. They're good. They're yeah. good people. I don't want to increase the rate, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that, that'd be an interesting study. Uh, individual property management versus um, more corporate. Yeah. Corporate's a lot colder, I would assume. Yeah. They just look at the numbers. Yeah. There's not an emotional right. attachment for them. So what I've learned from you today, Tom, is um, rentals are participating, obviously, in, in, in the upward movement of the market. But the monthly rates, the, the leases, it's going to take a couple of years to be able to catch up. It'd be catch up a lot faster if it plateaus. But I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Let me ask you this. It seems to me, this is just me driving around town. I don't have any data on this that the 1.5 to $2 million home is still hasn't moved much. It's up, but nothing like the $300,000 house is now a half million. That's right. And what, what's the cap for mortgages right now um, in this area? Is it like 544,000 is the max mortgage you can take before it turns into jumbo? Uh, well, they just raised it and I'd have to call my lender friends. Okay. I can't remember. But what it's it in that five to $600,000 yeah, range. They keep bumping it up. It keeps going higher and higher, and I can't remember exactly where it's at. That, that's a big cutoff for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. You stay below that jumbo, and you're absolutely right. The appreciation that we've seen or the value increase that we've seen um, in that below jumbo loan price point has gone way up. Just because you have so many, you know, you've got more demand for those properties. Yeah. Right? So it's supply and demand. You don't have as much supply for a variety of reasons, and then you've got a lot of demand. So those prices just keep going up. I, I see three million dollar houses sitting out there for a long time. Sure, yeah, that high that high end. Um, historically, the days on market have decreased drastically okay. over the last couple of years. However, it's still out there. I mean, you can anticipate a multi million dollar house sitting out there for a couple months at least. Yeah, um, you know, on average. Okay. Whereas if I've got a $350,000 house in it's Woodstock <laughs> or Marietta that's clean and good, it's gone in hours. 
That's crazy. Not even days. We're counting hours. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And those are people actually living or buying the home, not, not investors necessarily. Yeah. No, so, that's, so what's yeah. the key? I mean, if, if you want to start doing rental properties and, and call up Jordan and say, Hey, I got this 1031 exchange. Is it boots on the ground? Is it networking? It's, I mean, how are you getting, you're not just looking at Zillow anymore. Yeah. No, if it's on MLS, it's too late. And I'm not saying there's no deals out there. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, if it's, if it's out on the Zillows of the world, if it's out there and on, on the open market, uh, you're competing against the world. Yeah. So yes, the answer to your question is it's networking. It's boots on the ground. Um, partner up with a realtor. Do you know Somebody, one of those? Yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> so we can uh, call you and say, hey, I'm looking for <laughs> rental properties. This is This is my sweet spot. Sure. And then... Yeah, we call it a buy box. Does it have to... Um, <laughs> Does it still have to go through MLS technically? No. So you can just be a private yeah, deal? can be a private deal. Okay. Absolutely. That's good to know. That's how I find mine is I'll usually have someone contact me or I'll reach out to someone and they're like, I, I need an easy, quick way to get out of here. I don't want to go to market with it. I'm just looking for X. And I'll yeah. run my numbers and be say, you know, like, all right, I think I can make this work and we'll we'll buy it directly without having to market it or anything. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah. That was great. I always like talking to Tom. <laughs> I always enjoy this. It's, it's, it's great. Well, it. we look forward to uh, uh, listening to your podcast in 2022. Uh, let us know how we can help with that. Absolutely. I'll be in contact with you. All right, guys. Good, great conversation. Talk to you next time. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.